0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this, the last of our 2020 Summer School theme talks. Some of you have been here every evening. For some of you, this is your first visit, and wherever you are on that spectrum, you are very, very welcome. It's been quite a week, and you are part of it. This evening's talk, which will start quite soon, is by the Reverend Dr. Linda Hart. This whole event has been arranged by the summer school panel. Those of you who have joined us before will be very excited about this next moment that's about to happen. This is the moment when the summer school panel waves at you. So in alphabetical order, the panel is Jane Blackhall, Kate Brady McKenna, Louise Baumberg, Michael Allard, (laughs) and Nicola Temple. Thank you, we are are very proud of our waving skills. If you were here last night, you'll know that after tonight's breakout discussion groups, we're offering a short epilogue. You're welcome to join us for that, whether or not you're able to join in the discussions. Just hop back in here 20 minutes after the breakout starts or 25 minutes after the cup of tea break starts. Please take care of yourselves this evening. Look away from the screen if you need to, turn off your screen or your camera for a moment if you want to. Particularly, please turn off your camera if you're moving about a lot or going away from where you're sitting. Movements can be really distracting and although you may only be able to see the speaker, other people can probably still see you. We will try to avoid any unpleasantness but just remember if you can, cameras off if you're doing anything other than sitting and listening. As always, we're recording this session. So although you almost certainly won't be visible, you have our blessing to turn your camera off for that reason. You'll be on mute until the breakout rooms and unless Linda asks you to use it, the chat facility won't be available. Live subtitles are available. The closed caption button at the bottom of your screen turns them on and off. Please be aware they are only 80% reliable though, if you're horrified at something Linda's said, she quite likely didn't say it. After the talk there'll be a five minute break, after which those of you who choose to return will be popped into breakout rooms for further discussions. If you can't stay for those we quite understand, but just a reminder that you can pop back for the closing devotions. If you'd like a pastoral session about anything that crops up this evening, Michael Allerd and myself, both Unitarian ministers, are available until 9.45, either by email or Facebook Messenger, and you have our details with your invitation. So our theme speaker this evening is the Reverend Dr Linda Hart. Linda is a Unitarian Universalist minister serving the Tahoma Unitarian Universalist congregation in Tacoma, Washington. she served congregations large and small across the US and at the Richmond and Putney Unitarian Church in London. While at summer school in years past, she could be found in the back row knitting while listening to theme talks. She's looking forward to having quality learning time along with quality knitting time while attending summer school from the comfort of her armchair. So I invite you now to settle into a spirit of reflection and receptiveness as we listen to some music, after which you will be in Linda's hands.
1: She said. About loneliness, and no one does not know, does not know about disease. She said, no one does not know, does not know about cruelty. She said, I know, it's too much. It brought me to my knees, where I heard all will be well, all. Will know do you not know about the spirit she said baby
2: Words for the Lighting of Our Chalice by Sean Parker Dennison. There is no competition between this light and the darkness which holds it. Both light and the darkness are holy. We light our chalice not to defeat the darkness, but because for a time we need the gifts of flame, warmth and light to guide and help us in our endeavors, And when the time comes, we will embrace again the gentle arc which allows us rest, the gentle dark which allows us rest. And so we kindle this light with awareness and gratitude for light and dark and all that lies in between, each with its gifts, each with its beauty, each a part of a sacred and necessary whole. My friends, it is so good to be with you this week. I am uh, still crushed by the, the fact that we're doing this um, virtually. Uh, I was meant to be there in Hucklow in the Peach Room with you all this week, but I am delighted to have been here um, with everyone all week um, in, and uh, am just very honored to be a theme speaker this, this week. As I imagined the beginning of this talk here in this virtual space, I was ready to begin with some laughs, a quick rehearsal of the key points made by my theme talk companions and eventually launching into my own, I hope wise and thoughtful reflections. And then this week happened. As a bit of an indicator of what it's been like, even over here where I am, about 10 days ago, I opened a tab in my browser so that I could read an article called, quote, Your Surge Capacity is Depleted. It's Why You Feel Awful. It's helpfully subtitled, Here's How to Pull Yourself Out of Despair and Live Your Life. When on Wednesday I sat down to rewrite my opening and reconsider uh, my topic on Wednesday, I finally closed that link without reading it. My depleted surge capacity means that I don't seem to even have the ability to find out how to fix it. It's all just too much. And I wonder if you feel the same. My beloved friends, even including those of you I've not met, Even as I know that you have been under siege over in your country over these last several years, I must pause before I begin with a few words of lamentation for my country, the US, and give you the context for my remarks today. On this side of the pond, our national life, as you probably know, has been uh, becoming increasingly chaotic with a president who has not even a passing relationship with the truth, a pandemic that continues to surge, abdication of any responsibility for the common good by one of our houses of Congress, and ever more deaths of black men and women at the hands of police who never seem to be held accountable, as an armed militia of white men are given a pass when they broke into the gallery of the Idaho State House to protest social distancing, and then, then, the parade of lies and horror that is the Republican National Convention, a reality TV event that is beyond belief. On August 23rd, Jacob Blake, black man, was shot seven times in the back by a police officer as he tried to get into his car in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Blake had stopped to disrupt a fight between two women and having stopped it, he was returning to his three children, ages three, five, and seven, who were in the back seat of his car. It was one of theirs birthday. He was not killed by this attack, but was gravely injured and is now in hospital handcuffed to his bed and paralyzed from the waist down. As happens when such an injustice occurs in this country, the community responded with protests and the rage overflowed into some property damage, notably a fire set next to the UU church. You can see the fire in the image in front of you. The building was not much damaged and the congregation has loudly offered their support to the people who are outraged by that killing. We can come back to me, Jane. On Wednesday morning, I woke to the news that a 17-year-old militia member, now this is people who have come out to, as they say, protect property up in Kenosha, Um, this young man with a semi-automatic weapon, killed two protesters and wounded a third there in Kenosha. When he turned himself into the police, turning around, walking back to where the police were, they released him. They released him. And he went and got in the car with his mother who had driven him there and who then drove him home to, his, uh, to their home in Illinois. When he was arrested the next day and charged with first degree murder, two counts of first degree murder, that is murder with premeditation, his release um, the night before and his subsequent peaceful arrest show clearly, at least for me, the insanity of this moment. The officer who shot a man in the back seven times has not been arrested, has not been charged. And then the state of California is burning with wildfires. A hurricane has hit our southern coast. Another is threatening. The Arctic is melting. It feels like everything has gone totally insane. As we in this country approach the election on November 3rd, the depth of the need to find some way to tell something that, that sounds like truth is both essential for the survival of American democracy and it increasingly feels like a fool's errand. The signs of the progress of authoritarianism are all around us in this country and it is not clear, it is not clear to me, to many, that this president and his own enablers will not win this election. So let us talk about the truth, not as an intellectual enterprise, but as what is utterly necessary for our survival, not only in my country, but for all of us. It is necessary because we are deeply connected one to another We need each other to survive, no matter the illusion of our separation. The reality of the climate disaster that is ongoing, the rise of authoritarianism around the globe and the ongoing struggle with systemic racism that values some lives over others, all of this is connected. What happens to one happens to all and we need each other to survive. For me at least, it has never been so clear. Will you breathe with me for a moment? Slow and deep breath in and long, slow breath out. Breathing in and breathing out. When I was invited to speak this week about our theme, I knew straight away that I would focus on what it means for us to speak in love. Through this week, those of you who have attended or listened to the speakers um, online, we've heard a variety of ways of looking at the truth, beginning with Louise offering us some philosophical distinctions around truth. Yes, Louise, we all paid attention she offered considerations of how we acquire knowledge and offered cautions about confirmation bias and the unconscious assumptions that shape us unawares. Anne linked the truth into the context of community and the work for justice and gave us a very helpful typology of the kinds of truth, noting particularly the feminist affirmation of situational truth. Stephanie opened the conversation to include the kinds of truth that we find in stories and metaphors and poetry. That was totally my jam. Um, And the truth in sharing our experiences and discovering the meaning of what it is to be human. Bob last night led us through a reflection on the story of Jonah, inviting us to reflect on those truths offered to us by that ancient tale. With all, of that learning as the context, I want to ask today, what does it mean to speak with love to one another and to whom shall we speak?
3: This is from Our Passion for Justice by Carter Haywood. Love like truth and beauty is concrete. Love is not fundamentally a sweet feeling, not at heart, a matter of sentiment, attachment or being drawn toward. Love is active, effective, a matter of making reciprocal and mutually beneficial relations with one's friends and enemies. Love creates righteousness, or justice, here on earth. To make love is to make justice. As advocates and activists for justice know, loving involves struggle, resistance, risk. People working today on behalf of women, blacks, lesbians and gay men, the ageing, the poor in this country and elsewhere, know that making justice is not a warm, fuzzy experience. I also think that sexual lovers and good friends Know that the most compelling relationships demand hard work, patience and a willingness to endure tensions and anxiety in creating mutually empowering bonds. For this reason, loving involves commitment. We are not automatic lovers of self, others, world or God. Love does not just happen. We are not love machines, not puppets on the strings of a deity called love. Love is a choice, not simply or necessarily a rational choice but rather a willingness to be present to others without pretense or guile. Love is a conversion to humanity, a willingness to participate with others in the healing of a broken world and broken lives. Love is the choice to experience life as a member of the human family, a partner in the dance of life, rather than as an alien in the world or as a deity above the world, aloof and apart from human flesh.
2: Thank you, Jeff. These words have long been a part of my personal scripture that I return to again and again. Central to my appreciation of these words is the recognition that to love is to be present to another without guile or pretense. To be present to another without guile or pretense. Speaking the truth in love, then, means to make your whole self vulnerable to open yourself, to reveal yourself. Now, I can sense through the internet that some of my British friends over there may be beginning to squirm. This is perhaps more of an American attribute uh, or way of being in the world, but stay with me. In some measure, I think this is like the importance of being authentic, harking back to the theme of 2014 for summer school to speak with love requires that we be reflective to consider what we must say the truths we cannot escape those that emerge not from thinking a rational act of logic and fact but out of the wholeness of our experiences our feelings and our knowledge I love how it is summed up by Uh, Bernard Lonergan, a Roman Catholic priest and theologian, when he suggests that when we are in conversation, we need to be attentive, be intelligent, be responsible, be loving, and if necessary, change. This is what it means to speak the truth in love. Hayward also tells us that loving requires commitment and making a choice to love. I am grateful that she also reminds us that the choice to love isn't simply or necessarily a rational choice. As Louise noted in her talk on Monday, do you remember Back to Monday? As Louise noted, we make choices about what we believe and how we live into the light of those beliefs. Each time we engage with another, we are, at our best, seeking to speak the truth and love. And at our best, committing again and again to the principles and beliefs that we have chosen. I'm going to give you a few moments to have a little stretch. And I'd like to open up the chat and ask you the question, how do you feel when you are present to another without pretense or guile? And as you get yourself a sip of water or stretch or whatever you need to do in these few moments, I invite you to answer that so that we can see one another's response. We'll be back in a minute or two. Thank you, my friends, for sharing those those responses. Grateful for your vulnerability and honesty. Love is being present to another without pretense or guile. It is the active making of relations with our friends and our enemies. My goodness, that is a tall order making relations with our enemies. And it's reflective, I think, of one of the central affirmations um, of our faith community, the Unitarians and the Unitarian Universalists, that we are all, all deeply connected to one another. The Unitarian Universalist Association principle of respecting the interconnected web of all existence of which we are a part is showing itself to be ever more true, or at least that's the way it seems to me. I'm also reminded of Martin Luther King Jr.'s words, and I'll note that today is the 57th anniversary of the March on Washington, in which he gave his I Have a Dream speech. What I want to quote today is from his letter from the Birmingham jail, in which he says, we are caught in an inescapable net of mutuality tied to a single garment of destiny. Yes, we are all connected to each other, no exceptions. We're also connected to the water and to the air and to the earth. It's a profound intuition that I hope we recognize. And carrying this theme further, I invite in a second reading from the philosopher Richard Rorty.
4: From Solidarity by Richard Rorty. The right way to take the slogan, we have obligations to human beings as such, is as a means of reminding ourselves to keep trying to expand our sense of us as far as we can. That slogan urges us to extrapolate further in the direction set by certain events in the past. The inclusion among us of the family in the next cave, then of the tribe across the river, then of the tribal confederation beyond the mountains, then of the unbelievers beyond the seas, and perhaps, last of all, of the, of the menials who, all this time, have been doing our dirty work. This is a process we should keep going. We should stay on the lookout for marginalised people, people whom we still instinctively think of as they rather than us. We should try to notice our similarities with them. The right way to construe the slogan is as urging us to create a more expansive sense of solidarity than we presently have. The wrong way is to think of it as urging us to recognise such a solidarity as something that exists antecedently to our recognition of it. For then we leave ourselves open to the pointlessly sceptical question, is this really solidarity? Is this solidarity real? We leave ourselves open to Nietzsche's insinuation that the end of religion and metaphysics should mean the end of our attempts not to be cruel.
0: Linda, could you unmute yourself?
2: There we go. Yes, unmute. There we go. Thank you. (laughs) Some days are just like that. Um, Thank you, Shanna, for reading that. Our intuition of our interconnectedness is not enough. I agree with Rorty that solidarity, um, I think of it as awareness and of uh, commitment to each other, isn't something that exists until we create it. Those of us who are white are learning at this late date that the experiences and lives of people of color and especially black people are radically threatened every day. The lives of the Windrush Windrush generation, the lives of American indigenous people and the people whose ancestors arrived here in chains, the descendants of those who European European people enslaved, live lives that are largely invisible to those of us who are white. How is it that we make connections with them, learn of their lives, discover our connection and the essential task of improving their lives? How are those of us who have known the oppression and terror of living in a world that threatens them on all sides? How are those people to trust in those of us who have unknowingly perhaps oppressed and terrorized them? My friends, here's the answer, only love, only truth, only the choice, not necessarily a simple or rational choice, to speak the truth with love. Only the softness and vulnerability to hear the truth spoken. Only the softness and vulnerability of acknowledging our complicity and only the commitment to continue to take up the work that our faith demands of us. The world around us is on fire. We are confronted with a future that is frightening, with climate chaos, with authoritarianism ascendant. But even in these times, our task hasn't changed from what it's always been. It is to live our faith out loud, to make better what is in our hands, to improve, to continue to build the world that we dream can be, and to live into that every day in as much as it is in us to do. In that work lies our hope. In that work lies possibility. Let us take it up with love and compassion and joy. My friends, will you join me in a few moments of reflection, of prayer, of meditation, as is most your custom and comfort. We are not automatic lovers of self, others, world, or God. Love does not just happen. We are not love machines, puppets on the strings of a deity called love. Love is a choice, not simply or necessarily a rational choice, but rather a willingness to be present to others without pretense or guile. In these moments of stillness together, let us open. Let us come into this time without pretense, without guile, fully here to all of what is present in us and around us. The work of love in the world is not sweet and pretty. It is not what is given to us. It is what we choose. To love the world, the grime and loss of it, no less than its wonder and loveliness, apprehending it for all that it is, is a choice to be fully present, no pretense, no guile. To love each other, Never forgetting, never forgetting the priceless beauty in every face, in every heart, no exceptions. Never forgetting, never forgetting the brokenness, sometimes abiding at the core, the source of our deepest wounds, often the source of our greatest power. Learning again and again that we are joined to one another, more alike than we are different, choosing to be present to another, choosing to be fully present to another, no guile, no pretense, remembering that justice is love made public, tangible. Our choice to speak truth in the world, our choice to affirm again and again until all of us are free, safe, and tended. Until that time, all of us are diminished. This is the work of a lifetime, friends. Let us take it up again and again with joy and intention. Let us take it up this day and every day. Let us pause in stillness for a few moments. So may
5: it be. Amen. When I was a boy each week, on Sunday we would go to church. Pay attention to the priest That he would read the holy word And consecrate the holy bread And everyone would kneel and bow Today the only difference is Everything is holy now Everything, everything, everything is holy I was in Sunday school, we would learn about the time, Moses split the sea in two, Jesus made the water wine, and I remember feeling sad, miracles don't happen still, now I can't keep track. Everything, everything's a miracle. Wine from water is not so small, but an even better magic trick is that anything is here at all. So, the challenging thing becomes. Where there isn't one. When holy water wasn't rare at best, it barely wet my fingertips. But now I have to hold my breath like I'm swimming in a sea of air. It used to be a world half there, heaven's second rate hand me down. But I walk Everything is holy now. This morning outside I stood I saw a little red-winged bird Shining like a burning bush And singing like a scripture verse It made me want to bow my head I remember when church let out How things have changed since then Everything is holy now Used to be a world half there Heaven's second rate hand me down But I walk it with a reverend hair Cause everything is whole